Am I live on you, Lord? As we do, I got to share with you. Several people, I share this because the majority of you have said it to me one way or another. Several people this week commented on, it's difficult to focus all the way through a sermon. Now, Dylan is the primary culprit. You all know what Dylan's thinking about right now, yeah? Barbecue. We learned yesterday, Dan's thinking about smoking and Dylan. But I, I was thinking about that tied in with um, difficulties people have with memorizing scripture. Um, Renee always praying for focus. Do you know your mind is going to drift when I preach? And it's not because I'm exceptionally boring. Don't comment on that. Beth, I see you smiling. It's because the process of the Spirit working to grow us, to sanctify us, is actively being combated by the devil. It's not desirous of the flesh in our natural state. And, and as you, if we were watching a Netflix show of your favor, you'd be focused in no problem. But a 40-minute sermon is going to be tough. And part of it is preparing before you even get here. Have you, have you read the text? Have you thought about what we're going to be looking at? Have you prayed? Have you asked the Lord, Lord, help me focus. Help, help me hear your word. Soften my heart. Uh, Lord, draw my attention back when it drifts. Have you structured your environment? I mean, if you're sitting there and you have a, a pixelated enticement next to you, when your mind drifts, you can check the news. You've gone social media. Something might be happening in the world that you might miss out on. Or do you have a, a piece of paper? Are you, you taking notes? Are you leaving with an intentionality of how do I take what I hear today and share it, talk about it, meditate upon it? And so if you're already drifting out there, um, you're not alone. But let's pray as we begin that the Lord might be gracious to help us keep our mind stayed upon him. Lord, as we come to your word this morning, help us. Help us to hear you clearly. Spirit, help me to proclaim your word faithfully. Soften our hearts, open our eyes that we may behold wondrous truths from your law. Sanctify us, Lord, by your word for your glory and the joy you set before us. Keep us free from distraction so we might delight in you. Help, Lord God. Amen. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. This is the word of the Lord. Show of hands, not really, who loves the world? Excellent, let's move on. Going on to verse 18. Children, it hypotheticals. If you planned a trip you were looking forward to for years and years, you saved up for, you had anticipated, and the Lord said, don't go, would you go? If you were a member of a marvelous country club that you had enjoyed with your family for decades and decades, and the Lord said, give it up, would you give it up? If you lived in a beautiful house, the house of your dreams that you had finally put together at great cost and great effort that was so comfortable and warm and welcoming, and the Lord said, sell it, would you sell it? 
If you were in the wrong vocation that the Lord pointed out to you, or if your plans for the future were different than the Lord intended, and he said no to those plans, would you say yes to the Lord or no to Jesus? None of these things are bad in and of themselves, but there's a danger in these things because what we so easily forget is we as believers have competing affections. We have a love for the world, but we also have a love for God, and we can't serve two masters, so how do we know where we love the world so that we might forsake the world and love God? It's more complicated and convoluted than we think, and God, by his grace, gives us First John and tells us to walk in the light. Confess our sin. Remember Jesus, our advocate, comforter, helper. Keep God's commandments. Walk as Jesus walked. Love one another as Jesus loved us. And then last week we had these comforting reminders of verses 12 through 14 in Second or 1 John 2. Little children, fathers, and young men. Well, today we, we come right back to John's stern warnings. But these stern warnings lead to through stringent demands, joy in Christ. And so, what does the love of the world look like? How do we know we love the world? Fifty times, more than fifty actually, the word love, or one of its derivatives, is used in 1 John. John 3, 16, for God so loved what? 1 John 2, do not love the world. Take verses out of context. So God loves the world and we don't love the world, right? Doesn't quite work that way. You ever see the signs around town, hate has no home here? Do you know hate has a home here? Do you know God hates? Does that sound weird? Right? It does sound weird. It's true. Proverbs 6 tells me that there are seven things the Lord hates. Psalm 97, God hates evil. Psalm 104, God hates false ways. Psalm 5, God hates evildoers. See, in order to truly love, you have to hate what is against that which you love. God hates certain things. And we're called to hate certain things. And one of the things we're called to hate is to hate the world, to not love the world. But, but what is the world? Someone's going, well, yeah, I get to hate people. No, no. No, that's John 3. 1 John 2 is, do not love the world. The systems and structures built and based on an abandonment of God, a suppression of the truth, and an exaltation of the self. Say in a different way, the way normal people live. Abandonment of God, suppression of truth, and exaltation of self. Now he gets into what the love of the world looks like. There are two ways to mess this up. The first way to avoid not loving the world is monasticism. Separate yourself from the world. You, especially if you have kids, pull them, put them in a Christian school environment or a homeschool environment because the danger is out there. Do not have technology in the house. No cable, no smartphones. You'll be fine. There'll be no love of the world. Because the evil is out there, right? Wrong. The other is self-definition. You define love. What is love of the world? How do you know when you're loving it? Well, if you define it, you're not loving it. What are the desires of the flesh? Just me and Colin out here today. Living by your senses. 
Looks good, smells good, feels good, sounds good, tastes good, do it. I feel like I want that. So I take that. Do you know where sexual sin comes from? Looks good, act on it. The lust and the desires of flesh. You don't understand. I feel inside this is how I am. The Lord says, no, you don't bark. You're not an animal. You're not captive to the flesh, but the desires of the flesh rage about us. The, the seeking of it's Greek, seeking of gratification for inner desires through what our senses tell us is right and will satisfy. It doesn't work. But we run like crazy to it. It's where, where in your life are you running after the desires of the flesh? See, here's what's hard. Because it requires sitting and thinking and talking and praying the Holy Spirit would give us an ability to understand. Because we all pursue the desires of the flesh. And what we forget is we have distorted desires. Listen, do you want to be loved? Does anyone here not want to be loved? I mean, even Ricky wants to be loved. Everybody give Ricky a big hug after church. What we do in our distorted desires is look for love in all the wrong places. You know what I mean? You're, you're growing up. You're, you're a teenager. You say to your mom or your dad, you don't understand me. If I can't go out on a date with fill in the blank, I'm never going to be happy. And then you grow up, say the same thing to your kid, and you call your parents, I'm so sorry. Well, what you don't hear your dad saying is, Especially when this happens with the daughters more than the sons. Well, well, honey, he's 47 years old. What do you mean you got, you're 14. You got to go on a date with a 47. You don't understand. I love him. No, you don't. You, you have a desire to be accepted and loved. But you know, the flesh deceives us in how to do it. I want meaning in life. Anyone else want meaning in life? So I'm going to find meaning in life through what looks good and smells good and tastes good and feels good, and it can be my vocation, it could be my, my reputation, it could be what? Where do you all pursue the desires of the flesh? Don't. Why? We'll get to that in a minute. What about the desires of the eyes? I'll give you a perfect example. Dylan struggles with my hair. He's jealous. He thinks if he had my hair, they'd be a real man. You ever see Rocky Three? Hey, Rocky! Anyway, well, we go through a world that glitters. We watch advertising that appeals. We, we're, we're discipled by, by, by friends in the world who aren't really friends, so we see and we covet. We, we go Matthew 5. We look lustfully upon we go Genesis 3. You remember what happened when Eve saw the tree that was good and she desired it? Not for what it was, but based on the, the lustful passions inside. Guys, awkward question. Where do you live by the desires of the eyes? You ever drive around town and go, that's the house I want? You ever see a family and go, that's the family I want? You ever see a person and go, that's the person I want to be like? You ever see a bank account and go, that's the bank account that I want? You ever covet? 
Do you ever allow your emotions to control your desires rather than letting the Spirit control your desires and emotions? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and then I forget that last one. Self-control. The desires of the flesh, seeking gratification to inner desires through what our senses tell us is right and will satisfy. Desires of the eyes, desiring what you see and thinking it will provide what it can't. Where, where do you do this? Now, see, here's the problem with preaching. Boom, boom, boom. Go in peace, serve the Lord, food, food, food. Sunday school, go home, day, day, day. Come along Monday. What? What, 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 what? what was the text? <laughs> Competing desires. How about pride of life? If I told you that I was offered a full-ride scholarship to Harvard University as an undergraduate, would you be impressed? I'm not asking you to answer out loud, but would you be impressed? And I'll put a question on the back end. Why? If I told you as a kid that I played with the peers of a former sitting president as he and his wife sat on the porch with my parents because they were friends, would you be impressed? Why would that impress you? If, if I told, maybe these things aren't even true. I'm just throwing out illustrations. If, if, if I lived... In a mansion, I don't mean like the McMansion, I mean like the Chateau du Voyer. I don't even know that's a real place, but if I had a mansion, I would name it the Chateau du Voyer. And I'm talking about turrets and towers and moats and like, you know, so many acres that you would have to spend a night from the front of the property to get to the house of the property and indoor, outdoor pools and bowling alleys and, and horses. And I wouldn't even ride them, I just want to see them. And these horses wouldn't poop because I live on the Chateau du Voyer. Would you be impressed? Why? We live in a world of, of name dropping, family name, associations, educations, reputations, right? Do you know who I know? Joe from around the corner. Huh. Do you know who I know? Now, I know the man that owns Chateau du Voyer. Really? Mm-hmm. The, the pride of Life. It's the opposite of Philippians 2.3. You ever, you ever read Philippians 2.3? It's an old pastoral trick. You throw a verse, nobody checks it. It might have nothing to do with nothing, but it, it rounds the sermon off with a little biblical flair. Flip over to Philippians. Philippians 2.3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. The pride of life is where we declare to one another that I am more significant than you. You ever notice how that flows in conversation? Anything you can do, I can do better. Anything you can do, I can do too. Tell me where you went to school. I went somewhere better. Tell me where you live. I went... You ever notice conversations? Oh, I just got back from vacation. Oh, where'd you go? Went to the Bahamas. Oh, I've been there. Thanks for sharing. What, what do you do for work? Oh, I'm a doctor. Oh, that's great. I used to be a doctor, but I moved on to something better. Oh, thanks for sharing. See, us poor pastors, we, we're conversation busters. What do you do? I'm a CEO. I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I'm a pastor. 
You gotta hang out with the Christian folks so you feel like you got some pride of life to add. You know what's wrong with genealogies? You ever, you ever do a genealogy? You spit in a the tub and you send it off to the, the Mormon church and they tell you who you're related to? You've never seen these things? Don't, don't. It, I think you use a Q-tip swab and you find out that, you know, from, from Greece and, and Uganda and Botswana and Chile. Nobody's ever related to Frank. You say, who's Frank? Exactly. So it's like, you're related to George Washington and, and the, the Dalai Lama and Queen Elizabeth and Henry VIII. You know what we're, you know what we're looking for in these things? Pride of life. I, I have value. I have worth. I have connections. I have a, a family name. I have an association. I have an affiliation. I have financial privileges. Can I tell you a dirty little secret? I am related to Jesus. I am a child of God. I do not own the Chateau Duvoyer yet, but my father is preparing a place for me in heaven. I have heavenly riches that make Jeff Bezos look like he's slumming. I have an association with the communion of saints and God himself is my father through my Savior Jesus Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit. There is no need for pride of life because I have all that life can offer because I have Jesus. But the world tells me, no, 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 you need not Jesus but the Chateau du Voyer. It tells me, no, no, you don't need the name of in Christ. You need the name of fill in the blank. It tells me that you need an association of identification so that you can be worthy of something. John says to us, Brothers and sisters in Christ, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Hold up. Anybody have any desires of the flesh? Desires of the eyes? Pride of life? Let's distort the text. The love of the Father is not in you and you're going to hell, so stop loving the world or you go to hell. If you don't understand what's wrong with that, I'll explain what's wrong with that. We'd all go to hell. Loving the world is a continuous, active lifestyle. It's a difference like this. Can I... Well, how do I want to phrase it? I've got to put an identifier on it. All right. Current context of, of, of our news. Can I be... Can I be a girl and still be a Christian. See a problem there? Can I identify as a girl and identify as a Christian? Well, the world will tell me absolutely. But what I'm saying is, what John's telling me is, no, I can struggle with feelings of confusion inside. I can feel like I'm a girl. But I'll trust God that I'm not a girl and I'll bring my competing affections to God and say, God, help me. And I can do that because I have an advocate with the Father and I have an advocate with the Father because I'm forgiven and made a child of God in Christ. But if I want my identity to be in Christ, my identity can't be a girl. Because what this is driving at is God created me and owns me and my only hope in life and death is that I am not my own but belong to God, my Father, who loves me. My, my friends, can you... Can you realize that loving the world doesn't, not loving the world doesn't save you, but if you're saved, you will not continue to love the world without repenting at some point. 
If you are saved at some point, you will see this is wrong. This is crazy. This is not who I am. And by God's grace through the Spirit, you will turn from it. So you can't identify as something loving the world's ways and identify as a child of God because you cannot serve two masters. Why? Because you will love one and hate the other. Because what you truly love, you hate what opposes it. So to say, I love God and I love sin doesn't work. Because if you love sin, you hate God. And if you love God, you hate sin. And we live in these competing spectacles of desires. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Look at what he says in verse 7. Well, what he's saying, I'll go back to it. Verse 17 The world is passing away along with its desires. Could you imagine investing your whole life in acquiring the Chateau du Voyer if you knew it was going to burn down? You imagine investing money in mass to make yourself look younger when you ain't going to win. Charlie challenged me this week in light of the strangest movie we ever watched that I couldn't incorporate this into a sermon and I just found a way. We watched Chippendale on Disney+. Plus. It is the craziest, stupidest, most insane movie I recommend it to you all. <laughs> and Peter Pan is an overweight elderly man who doesn't shave. And at one point in the movie, he says, death's coming for us all. Right? Do you all realize death's coming for us all? You're going to wrinkle. You're going to shrink. You're going to grow hair where it shouldn't grow and it's going to stop where it should. It's coming for you because death's coming for us all. But Jesus killed death. Jesus conquered sin. This tent is going away and one day I will have a Peter Pan body. I don't want to grow up. I'm going to have a resurrection body that doesn't age or wither, and I don't have to put lotions onto it. I don't have to worry about the, the follicle fallacies. I, I, I don't have to, do I smell? No, because that one won't stink. So yes, wear deodorant. Sure, put a little cream on, but don't do it for the pride of life. Do it with remembering that this cream won't save me and my reputation isn't found in how I look. My identity is in Christ. Do not love the world or the things of the world. They're passing away. Would you build a house out of sand right on the seashore? Not a wise investment, is it? Do you know what the desires of the flesh are? Same thing. The desires of the eyes are? Same thing. The pride of life is? It's the same thing. So just stop. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. First, you've got to know where am I loving the world? Because it's all over the place. Do you know why you do what you do? I mean, if we really pump the brakes, here's where Colin and, and Titus are in an advantageous position. They've not made massively consequential life choices. I mean, Colin doesn't even get to choose his own diapers, right? That's straight on Natasha. He probably didn't even get to pick out his own clothes yet, poor guy. But the rest of us do. How'd you end up in the vocation you ended up? Was it pursuing the glory of God, or did you have a little desire of the flesh, desires of the eyes, and pride of life mix in? Remember when you were a kid and you told your mom or dad, I want to be a garbage man when I grow up? What'd they say to you? Go for it, son. 
See, I, I'm mad at my parents now because I could have retired out if I was a garbage man already. And I love hanging on the back of the truck. I get the Purell would be an issue for me every stop. Could you imagine? <laughs> <sighs> and I'm not, anyway, let's move on while I remember what I'm talking about per last week. But you do realize we bring mixed, mixed motives, right? You can even think about your spouse. When you met your spouse, did you say, I desire the sanctification of this person to love them as Christ loved the church? Or was it, that's a good looking one. Now, now maybe you lucked out over the long haul. But you see the complicated aspect. Why do you live where you live? Why do you raise your kids like you raised your kids? Why do you, why do you consume what you consume? Why you, see how we have this, this mixed bag of messy motives and it's so easy to forget that we have distorted desires? Do you know why there are fights and quarrels among you? James gives us the answer to that. We got distorted passions. And so what John is saying and what most Christians miss is the joy that God offers to us in Christ is abandoned by most believers, especially in our Western context, because we don't really ever slow down and think about, where am I pursuing the desires of the flesh? Where am I pursuing the desires of the eyes? Where am I consumed with the pride of life? You see, we, we do what we do because we think what we pursue will offer us satisfaction and joy. I feel an attraction towards fill in your blank. Could be materialism. It could be distortion of sexuality. It could be identity. Across the board, stop for a minute. Bring it to the Lord. Hear what the Lord's word says. Who knows you better than you? His name is Yahweh. We think that Jesus is going to rob us of joy. Who's the most joyful person you've ever met? Now, I'm being serious, and I don't want the answer out loud. How many people do you know that don't have faux joy, but true and abiding joy? Joy through struggle, joy through sin, joy that says, I am an absolute hot mess, but Jesus is the most marvelous thing I have. Do you know why it's so hard to find that? Well, because the world glitters. There's a uh, baseball player who used to play for the Yankees. His name is Gio Urshela. And Gio Urshela's walk-up music when he goes to bat. I don't know the title of the song, but it's, it's Take This World and Give Me Jesus. And I always find that interesting. I don't know Gio at all. But it's always very interesting in that context to spotlight profession with million-dollar salary, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But don't our lives sing the other side? Give me this world and hit pause on Jesus. Where in life is it? Give me everything the world offers and just push pause on Jesus till I need him. Why would we do that? You know the solution to this problem? Every desire you have has a right and full satisfaction in Jesus Christ, period, full stop. You know why you want to be rich? Because God made you to be rich. Do you know why you could have J. Paul Getty money and still not have true joy? 
Because that's not the riches that satisfy. Do you know why you want to feel good? Because God made you to feel good. But you know, taking drugs, smoking pot, hip replacements, knee replacements, lobotomies, if we go back 100 years, you know why they don't truly work? Because that's not the true health that satisfies. Does anyone here want to belong? Be accepted? Do you know why it hurts so much when, when you're school age and nobody wants to be your friend? Well, because we're made for fellowship. And all that happens to us old folks is we just get cantankerous. Who here would like to go back and do middle school and high school over? <laughs> right? Do you know why they're so hard? Because we just want people to accept us in our messiness and love us unconditionally. Dirty little secret. You ain't going to find it out there. But can I introduce you to Jesus who knows you through and through and comes down into your messiness to make you his by grace through faith? In a, in a relationship where you can't lose him and he will sanctify you so your joy may be full in him. Do you know why you never feel quite at home? Because you're not. Do you know why you just want to rest? You know why you just want to be done with work and retire and be like Jerry and Sherry who have more free time than they know what to do with? Isn't it funny? I hear rumors that when you retire, you don't just eat bonbons, read books, and take naps. I mean, I know these two just float in the pool and they just eat. What is a bonbon? I don't know, but... Jerry has chocolate-dipped strawberries served to him in the, in the pool that he rings a bell to be flipped over. And he says, Sherry, tomorrow, let's float some more. And she says, oh, honey, yes. Do you know why retirement doesn't do what retirement's meant to? Because our rest isn't found in the weekend or retirement. It's found in Jesus. So why are we so screwed up like me pursuing what the world offers when it's right there in front of us in Jesus? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Who's just overloaded with joy this week? Do you know what? We can head in that direction. But it requires slowing down. Why does life go so fast? I sat out front waiting for you all this morning. About 9.05, I'm on the bench. And there are these three birds walking around the grass eating worms. Just sat there for a whole 45 seconds and thought, just better than Netflix. When's the last time you slowed down and gazed upon creation? When's the last time you sat down with someone and said, all right, I got 45 minutes, what's up? But said, how you doing? When's the last time you were able to actually stop and think and know how you're doing? What you running after? See, we, we live like my dogs. Throw the ball, get the ball, bring the ball back. Throw the ball, get the ball, bring the ball back. Throw the ball, get the ball, bring the ball back. And all of a sudden, it's, ha, 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 ha. set your deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet. Rest in him and him alone, glorious, complete. You're hungry. 
do you live to eat or do you eat to live? See the difference? You want meaning. You want acceptance. You want favor. You want attention. You want comfort. You want peace. You want riches. You want a home. Of course you do. But we pursue the satisfaction in all the wrong places because Adam and Eve messed it all up. Now you can't blame them because you'd mess it all up, but when they crunched into whatever that fruit was, our genetic structure changed. Our desires became distorted. You ever watch a dog drink out of the toilet bowl? That's you. Yeah, our dog, we give them fresh water and they go over to the toilet. It's like, Ugh! That's the desires of the flesh. I'm a good dog. I'm thirsty. And the grown-ups go, what? I'm a good person. I'm thirsty. You know what Jesus says? I am living water. We hunger after certain things, but we go after them in all the wrong ways. What if we slowed down and remembered that John was writing these things that our joy may be complete, 1 John 1, 4. And we thought, all right, John, when you tell us to walk in the light, what does that look like? When, when you tell us to confess our sin, do we see our sin and do that? Do we remember Jesus as our advocate? Do we keep God's commandments? Do we walk in the same way Jesus walked? Do we love one another as Jesus loved us? Let me ask you this. Where are you pursuing your kingdom over God's? You are, trust me. But if you can't see where, you'll never have the joy that God intends for you. So shall we just fly by and move on? Y'all good? Don't love the world. Don't go by the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eye, or the passions, or pride of life. How do you do it? What's really magnificently simple. Consume yourself with the glory of God and the glitter of the world fades away. Consume yourself with the glory of the God and then the God of glory can give you the Chateau du Voyer and you will hold the Chateau du Voyer in very loose hands because you revel yourself in Christ. You can have a penny or you can have a billion dollars. If you delight yourself in the Lord, those are just things to be used for his glory. If you go after the desires of the flesh and the pride of life, those things will define you and they will ultimately destroy you if you do not turn from them. Do you see that? We, we are strange creatures and we take things and worship them and use the God who should be worshipped as a thing. It's all through scripture. It's a repetitive theme of scripture. Cut down a tree, shape a tree, worship the tree, forget the one who made the tree. My friends, how do we consume ourselves, delight ourselves with Jesus? Saturate your mind with the very words of God. Talk to others, walk alongside others who are delighting themselves in the Lord and ask them how to help delight you in Christ. Delight one another with the truths of Christ. Ask others to delight you with the truths of Christ. Pray, Holy Spirit, help me desire you above all. For as we do, as we're honest with ourselves before the Lord, if we walk in the new life that we have in Christ, we will realize that Jesus is the only thing that truly satisfies. You ever notice the world is all about an identity? 
Who are you? I am a man. I am a father. I am a pastor. I am a, a husband. I am a brother. I am a son. I am a... Mm -mm. Those are things I do. Now we've gone to the point of identifying us by our desires. We've done it for a while. I am sad. I am hungry. I am anxious. I am whatever. Well, well now we even go deeper than that. You can identify as a cat. And you think I'm joking. There are school districts where you can identify as a cat. The schools have turned into zoos. There's your joke. And we're right over your head. I'm not doing these things twice. <laughs> you think that's crazy to identify as a cat. Well, give it another 20 years. It won't be so crazy because it'll come into your house. It'll come into the church. We'll have a visitor come in one day and purr. And darn be you if you comment because that's hate speech and hate has no home here. My friends, who are you? I was talking to someone this week, and I've done this, I feel like, every week for the past four months. I've ordered a, a series of, a series of the same book, multiple copies of the Westminster Shorter and Larger Catechism. I really encourage you guys to grab one and work your way through. If you've done it already, do it again. If you haven't done it, do it. Because you know what the first question in the Westminster Shorter Catechism is? I'll paraphrase it for you. What's the purpose of life? It says it differently. It says, what is the chief end of man? Every living human being is trying to answer that question. The chief end of man is to find my joy in recognizing that inside I am truly a cat. No. So you can run down and you're going to find hollowness and despair and hopelessness. The chief end of man is to be rich. No. The chief end of man is to have a trophy wife. No. The chief end of man is to be loved by everybody. No. The chief end of man is to have power. No. The chief end of man, hold on. God, what's the chief end of man? To know, to know the Lord. To glorify the Lord and enjoy him forever. What? By what rule or standard do we know the Lord and glorify him? Question number two. By the only rule, which is the Holy Scriptures, Old and New Testaments. Interesting little thing here. You work your way through, life starts to make sense. Someone says, I explained this to me, big man. Why do I feel this way inside then? You don't know what it's like in here. There's a kitty cat inside here. And y'all can make fun of me because you don't understand me. You know what the answer is? You're right. I don't have a kitty cat inside here. But I do know who understands you because he made you. And he very clearly states that he didn't make kitty cat people. But he also explains that we're confused about who we are. I've said this many, many times. There are no straight people except Jesus. We all have competing desires and distorted affections, and Jesus came along to straighten us so that in our straightness we might enjoy him and glorify him as we do forever. So you may feel like there's a kitty cat in there, but there's no kitty cat in there. There's an image bearer in there in need of a Savior who loves him or her very much. And the question is, do you want to run down kitty cat trail and see how that works out for you? Because I can introduce you to millions and millions of people who went down kitty cat trail in different ways.
and it never, ever works. But see, the, the gate is narrow and the way is, the way is bumpy and few choose it that leads to life. You ever read Pilgrim's Progress? Truly curious, show of hands. Who's read Pilgrim's Progress? All right, that's not bad. Back in the day, before Amazon Prime, it was argued that most believers would have two, two books in their house for sure, maybe a third, but one was the Bible. One was Pilgrim's Progress. You throw in the Institutes of Calvin or something like that, but I'm saying that, that Pilgrim's Progress is a great allegorical tale of, of Kitty Trail. My friends, life is hard. We all get it, don't we? I may not be pursuing the life of a kitty cat, but deep down I'm pursuing the wrong type of life somewhere along the way, and I need that constant correction because I still have sin inside of me. I have this weirdness in my head as a child of God that I desire other things besides Jesus at times, and then I have to pretend like I don't because that's the proper way to speak Christianese. How are you doing? Great. Just trust in Jesus. Strong in the Lord and all. You see, what I am able to do a little bit is trust him. What I'm able to desire a little bit is Jesus. And that's the marker of a saved person. You have competing desires, not just the flesh, not just the eyes, not just the pride of life, but Jesus himself, because he has created a new heart within you and empowers you by his Holy Spirit. What's your role and responsibility? It's to steward what he's given to you as he calls you to for his glory. This whole thing is really based on just a few simple things. Who are you? Who are you? Whose are you? And what does he desire for you? You know, there are no independent thinkers out there. I've loved that over the last two years. One of the craziest things as we've gone through COVID is people use this phrase, I'm going to have to do my own research. Well, you hop on that Google over there and you let me know what you come up with. Well, I, there's a place for research, but the problem is none of us are truly independent thinkers. You're going to have to work through some sort of filter. Okay? You think you know yourself. You don't. You're either captive to Christ or captive to this world's ways. We, we, we're all disciples. None, none of us just pop in with no discipleship. You ever notice why you kind of act and talk and look like your mama or your daddy? Because you grew up with them. You ever wonder why you kind of have the tastes that you have? You ever wonder why American people's tastes differ from Asian people's tastes? I mean, who live in the continent of Asia? They, they don't have pizza every Friday night over there. Why is that? Culture? Family origin issues? We, we, we bend different ways. We got a new family. We got a new daddy. And little by little, as we live with our daddy and live with our siblings, we begin to have our desires rightly changed. So don't, don't try to run away from the world. Don't go with a monastic approach. Don't slam your kids simply into a, a schooling system that'll... I, now, now, I want a side note here. I wouldn't just throw your kids to the wolves either. You, you, you want to put your kids into a cult? Uh, the conversation, I guess, for downstairs. But think about what you're doing with your kids. Think about what you're encouraging with your grandkids. Homeschooling is not a cure-all to make a perfectly sanctified child. You can stop by the Tripp's house and we can show you that. 
Um, my kids are, I'm talking about me. But think about why you're doing what you're doing. If you're, if you're looking to move your kids out of the world to keep them safe, it doesn't work because the enemy is within. But you better have enough time with those kids to address the enemy within. Because if you send them without, they will be discipled by the world and come home, look you dead in the eye and say, Mama, I'm a kitty cat. And if you think I'm kidding, check it out. Didn't we all do this when kids were little, when we were little? Follow your dreams. You can be anything you want to be when you grow up. One way I was blessed in my home was don't be stupid. I want to be a cowboy when I grow up. Don't be stupid. I want to be a garbage man. Don't be stupid. I still think the garbage man gig, but anyway, we'll get to that another time. You are not the captain of your own ship. You are not the master of your own fate. You are an image bearer accountable before God himself. And so our job is to think, 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 and realize the reality that we live in. If you are saved, we'll land the plane here. Notice where you are loving the world. Pray that the Lord himself would give you an ability to see. Slow down. Think about it. I mean, I'm talking, pull the emergency brake here. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you going where you're going? Why are you pursuing what you're pursuing? There is a motivation behind it that you have got to think about. Because if you don't, you will just glide along, missing out on the joy that God intends for you and creating a path of destruction alongside and behind you that you don't even notice, whereby you will use people for your own gratification rather than love them for their good and the glory of God. And in fact, using people looks clean in the world. Slow down. Think, why am I doing what I'm doing? Ask someone, okay? When you find that you're outside of the will of God or your motives are off, realize you're going to hell. No. Repent, Lord, and repent honestly. Lord, I'm doing what I shouldn't be doing. I have the wrong desires, but I like these wrong desires. And I can't stop myself from liking these desires and I keep falling into these desires. I don't know why I do this, but would you help me? Would you en enable me to hate what I should hate and to love what I should love? God, see, I want to serve you and I don't serve you. And no matter what I do, I seem to mess up and I find that I'm doing what I don't want to do. And what a wretched man I am. But finish that Romans 7 prayer with thanks be to God for Christ Jesus. Rejoice that you have an advocate. Rejoice that if anyone does sin, you are forgiven. The invitation isn't get your act together. The invitation is walk with me and enjoy me. I am your father. Well, what about the unsaved? What about if you're going down kitty cat trail and you decide, I, I'm going to be a kitty cat and a Christian. You got a couple options. Option one, find a kitty cat church. They're all over the place. Find a church that will comfort you with you, be true to yourself, and be what you want, and Jesus will accommodate. It's the overwhelming majority of churches you'll run into today. Okay? It's a prosperity type of church. That's option one. What, what that is, is it's like when you get a tooth pulled and you get the, the Novocaine. That'll just keep you numb until you die, and then you can deal with the problem then. 
The other option is listen. See the insanity of it. See the hollowness of it. See the, the grace of God in saying to you, you are not a kitty cat. Maybe you're pursuing love from others, all sorts of wrong relationships. Listen to God say, those don't satisfy, but I love you in a way that no other person ever could. Maybe you got a messed up family. God says, I give you a new family. Maybe you had a really bad dad. God says, I will be your perfect dad. Maybe you've never had a friend. Jesus says, I'm a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Maybe you were raised dirt poor and you just wanted a dime to your name. The Lord will give you heavenly treasure. Turn to him and be saved while there is time, but realize you cannot serve two masters. Y'all do me a favor as we close here. Would y'all please chew on this during the week? Maybe, maybe you're just thinking about what you're grilling. Invite me over, I'll eat it with you. But would you, would you spend some time this week and, and prayerfully consider, where, where do I have a love for the world? Where, where am I desiring what I desire because of how God made me, but seeking satisfaction in the wrong places? Where, where's the glitteriness of the world more appealing than Jesus? Where, where do you live with pride of life? Maybe thinking you're better than others or, more often, trying to present yourself in a way to others that gives you a value that isn't really your true identity. You ever notice how hard it is to flip-flop those two? One side, you're just walking around basically boasting in yourself, and we're all prone to do it. Happens all the time. You have a conversation with them. You'll never guess who I saw today. I saw fill-in-the-blank famous person. Because if you get a little bit of that rub off on you, it gives you some value. The other side is just feeling despair and despondency inside because you have, no, no, no. Who's your father? I mean, do you understand how, how strange this is that God is our father and we struggle to rest in that at all times? The sovereign king of all creation who rules and reigns in perfection, who controls every molecule at every moment in every way, who has reconciled us to himself as his very own children, who loves us with a perfect love and guides us in perfect wisdom, who tells us, fear not, for I am with you. With all that being true, we still drink out of the proverbial toilet. Revelation 3. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Revelation 3, 20. Jesus is what satisfies. Jesus is ours. The point of 1 John is delight yourself in what you already have and your joy will be complete. Take this world and give me Jesus. He is ours and we are his. Pray over this, talk about this, engage with someone about this. To what end? To enjoying God and glorifying him forever. Let's pray. 
Holy Spirit, I ask, I ask your, um, I ask you to work in our midst. This text is just too much to preach. I, I pray that wherever I convoluted it, you would erase my words quickly from people's memory and implant the truth of your word into our hearts. Lord, help us to see why you are worthy of praise in every way, why you are the one who shall be crowned with many crowns, so we might see our privileged position as being children of God. Lord, we are rich. We are healthy. We are strong. We are loved. We are secure. Yet we forget so often the reality within which we live because of the distractions of the world. Lord, help us to enjoy your creation and to sing your praises as we gaze upon your creation and to delight as we move about within your creation and to love the pinnacle of your creation, image bearers. But help us not love this world or the things of this world, for this world is perishing. But Lord, you are not. You are unchangeable, eternal, the only wise God. Give us eyes to see, Lord God. Help us to rightly discern our desires so we might satisfy them in you as you guide us to by your word. Give us opportunities, Lord, to slow down in the busyness of life so that we might truly think, so that we might truly meditate upon your word, so that by your power, Holy Spirit, we would bring your word to one another and encourage one another and build each other up. Holy Spirit, help us. We desire you. Help us desire you more. We delight in you. Help us delight in you more. We love you. Help us to love you more which we will as we realize how much you love us. Lord, help us to see ourselves in light of who we truly are, so we might rest and rejoice as you have truly saved us too. In your holy and precious name, Lord Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.